Renegade Broadcasting. Hard-hitting talk radio. Hey guys, it's me. Before we get to the recordings, I just wanted to officially put out an invitation to Philosophy Cat to debate me. Um, I would like to debate her on Evola, uh, her views on women, why women should be blamed for being raped, many other things, the spiritual journey, all of that. Um, so I would really like that debate to happen if she is open to that. I'm pretty sure she's blocked me everywhere, even though like I've never even really talked to this person before. Um, so I don't know, maybe someone out there can arrange it, but I would really like to do that. And um, these are not personal, you know, it's not like a personal attack or we're going to go after her personally, even though I really disagree with a lot of what she has to say. I just think that these viewpoints need to be challenged. Um, and I would really like to hear her try to explain these quotes from Evola, you know, where he condones rape and deflowering virgins and all this disgusting nonsense. So, yeah, this is an official invitation to debate me, whether that be via video, via just, you know, a call. Uh, I think that would be really, really good. And I hope she accepts it. All right. On to the recordings now. Hey, guys, what's up? So I'm here to do a recording. Who knows if I'll play any other recordings in this giant recording that I will stitch together. But hello. Hi. It's good to be back talking. Just me flying solo. So I haven't felt the urge to really talk about anything in a long time because I think we all know the score. I think we know what's going on. But as you know, I love to look into controlled opposition or just people, sketchy people within the movement. Just, you know, just gives me something to do. So recently, you know, we heard about the whole thing with Jason Cohen apparently being accused of raping some women or taking advantage of them or something, forcing himself on them sexually. And we saw the screenshots where Philosophy Cat tries to sweep it under the rug, tries to say, look, you know, even if it did happen, we shouldn't say anything because he has a large following and we don't want to demoralize his followers. You know, his movement is one of redemption and he should be able to, you know, just just we'll just forget about it. Put it in the past and we'll just move on and keep raking in those shekels. She also mentioned that she didn't want anybody that has associated with Jason in the past to also go down. So, I mean, yeah, pretty disgusting behavior. And I, and I always ask myself, especially with women like this as I like to refer to them as pick-me's, right? Like, pick me, pick me, I'm so awesome. I'm not like the other girls, I'm special. And I'll be real here, I used to be like that. I'm thinking back, like my early 20s and before, I literally used to be like that. Maybe not to the extreme, I would not cover up abuse, but I used to be like, I just wanna be liked by people. I just, you know, I don't wanna rock the boat. I have no standards and no boundaries with anybody. I'll just try to please everybody. So yeah, look, I'm speaking from experience, okay? Being a pick me is not good. And actually a quick little tangent, it's completely anti-nature because if you look at nature, males, male animals, are the pygmies. The birds are brightly colored and they do these crazy dances and mating rituals and they, you know, draw little designs in the sand for the female bird. And the females, 
are just plain. They're usually just like one color and, you know, pretty plain because women have the power, okay? I don't know if you realize that yet, listener. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the way that it is. Women are the bringers of life. So in nature, the women should not be saying, pick me, pick me. The women should be choosing. I pick you. Let's go. So anyways, tangent here. How did she get this way? What makes a person be this way? Now, yes, you could say it's just shekels and, you know, uh, admiration from fans and getting her ego stroked, you know, whatever. But I don't know. This is really strange. So I started to look into some of the things that she has posted because I haven't really kept tabs on this person. I remember her back from when she made a video talking about white Sharia and she was against it. And I was like, yes, awesome. That's great. Happy to see you doing that. But, you know, after she started running in the circles of all these alt-right shills, I just kind of, whoop, off my radar. I don't want a thing to do with you until I came across this information about her covering things up. Now, some of you might remember when Millennial Woes was apparently accused of sexually abusing or harassing some ladies Now, you know, I don't know if that's just a (laughs) PR stunt to make us think he's not gay. Kind of joking there. Um, I could see him uh, taking advantage of of both sexes. I think he's he's an egalitarian predator. (laughs) He does discriminate between gender. Um, But she's also fine with, you know, millennial woes. Like, he's cool. He's fine. He apologized. That's what she said in the screenshots. The millennial woes apologized for sexually harassing those women and all the other gay stuff and disgusting stuff he said. He apologized. So therefore, we should just let him, you know, let him be a leader. Let him be uh, seen as some kind of figurehead and a person to look up to. That's totally fine. So I oh, I also had seen some of her music that she was doing with that guy that looks like he could be her father. I don't know. I don't really know who he is. I guess he was popular in the folk, folk neo-folk uh, scene, which I really am not into. I mean, there are some talented musicians that might be playing music within that genre. But, you know, Boyd Rice and all that is just huge turnoff for me personally. So I'm not too knowledgeable about that scene. But... Um, I had seen that they put out that music video, and she's wearing the Slavic pagan dress, which looks fantastic. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. So I thought, wow, this is cool, you know? Like, they have a good budget on this. They have good quality cameras, and this is a good production. But then I started to look into more of the music, and just to me, it came across as very depressing. And I don't think that's just the genre. There can be uplifting neo-folk music, okay? There's got to be a way. I haven't heard it, but there's got to be a way. So I noticed in these music videos that there were, you know, there's stock footage throughout and there were images of some woman praying in a church and it was like, Domine! It was like, really? It, It sounded like a Catholic mass. And to me, it just didn't really line up with uber folk. Because when I think of folk, the last thing I think of is a depressing Catholic church where the woman was wearing all all black, so like she was in mourning, basically. And the, the whole music video just seemed very dark and depressing. And uh, I think they even had a song called Waiting to Die or Time to Die or something like that, which I thought was very uh, strange. You know, I don't think we need more music like that. I think we need uplifting music, messages of positivity and 
compelling people towards action and being brave and things like that, empowerment. But that really wasn't the kind of music I was seeing come from uber folk. So I just thought that was strange. So through all of this, I was made aware that she is apparently Christian, which is so strange because that's just the last thing that I expected, especially by wearing the pagan dress and all of that. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess she is Christian, which is weird. I, I really never knew that. Um, so I wanted to read some of the posts that she's been putting out because I think this highlights the poison that is being put forth now. A lot of this is going to be directed at women because she is a pick-me and she wants to be special and not like the other girls and she wants to feel like oh, I'm different, I'm so smart, and I love Evola, while at the same time advocating for her own enslavement and to be treated as less than uh, because she's a woman. And this Evola stuff is such nonsense. It's such garbage. But what I'm noticing is that it seems to be a replacement for Christianity that they're putting forth as an option for people. Um, and all of Evola's degenerate books are the new Bible. They're the new gospel that everybody adheres to and they quote him all the time. And I think every single video that this woman is doing now is centered around Evola. Why are you so focused on this degenerate dude who to me looks like a Jew and probably was, who was a sexual deviant, had zero talent artistically, was kicked out of NS Germany for a good reason, why would you champion this man as some kind of pinnacle of masculinity or some kind of healthy ideal? It's really not. It's quite the opposite. And some of the things that she's saying here are really disturbing. And I'd like to highlight those things and, and go into them because I find them very, well, just toxic. Toxic. So there is a video... Um, she does about sex magic or something, which I'll get into later because it's on my other computer and I'm not near that right now. But let's get into some of these posts. Real quick before that, I do have to remind everybody that a few months back, Kyle and I did a show about Evola and read some quotes from him that were very disturbing. I believe there were even uh, not only homosexual things, but pederastic things uh, that he was mentioning. So looking for that you can go back through the archives all right so this is apparently a quote from julius evola's book eros and the mysteries of love um so this is just going to highlight how toxic this man is and but this is what this woman is posting as something that is amazing like he is such a great philosopher he's so incredible so here's a quote from daddy evola certain forms of sexual Sorry, certain female forms of sexual anesthesia and depraved chastity related to what psychoanalysis calls the autistic varieties of libido are highly significant. Okay, so I would like to break this sentence down. <laughs> First of all, what is depraved chastity? Those two terms to me seem like complete opposites. Sexual anesthesia. What is that supposed to mean? You know, do these... Evolians even understand what is being said here, or do they just want to seem like really intellectual snobs that, oh yeah, yeah, this makes total sense. I mean, I would really like one of these people to explain this to me. 
but it goes on. It gets even weirder. An example is the type of modern woman whose main interests are exhibitionism, the accentuation of everything that may make her alluring to man, and the worship of her own body. Oh, yeah. Women today are so proud and comfortable in their bodies. They're just worshiping their bodies all the time. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not shown unrealistic standards of what a woman looks like growing up. We're not shown airbrushed, photoshopped, face-tuned images constantly. Oh, yeah, women are worshiping their own bodies. You know what? We'd be in a lot better of a place if women did worship their bodies. <laughs> if everybody worshiped their bodies as a temple and something that is to be kept you know, I don't want to be like a purist, but clean and to energetically, spiritually to, you know, to take good care of yourself and to be proud of the human form, just like the national socialists were. The naked body was not pornographic, but it was also not kept away, hidden away because, oh, women are trying to allure men and we're such exhibitionists for wanting to wear shorts and a tank top in a hundred degree weather. I remember getting so much shit from these trad wives when I was in these Facebook groups for telling them that it's unrealistic for me to wear a floor length dress in Florida out in my backyard. <laughs> they were like, well, you know, if you really wanted to, you would. Well, I don't want to because that's retarded. Why am I going to sacrifice my comfort because I'm following some Semitic rule from some, some gay guy, some pederast? <laughs> Really? You think we should listen to the words of pederast degenerates? Well, I mean, yes, she does. That was rhetorical. But anyways, let's go on. Daddy Evola continues. Such women derive from this a vicarious pleasure, which they prefer to the specific pleasure obtained from real sexual experience. Okay, this sentence here just sounds like some incel trying to justify why no woman wants to sleep with him. <laughs> okay. There are like, why? That doesn't make any sense that as a woman, you would derive more pleasure out of like just showing off your body than you would from real sex. Whose fault is it if women aren't enjoying sex, Evola? It's her fault? Really? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the outcome for them is a lack of sensitivity and in certain cases, even neurotic denial. I thought women were too sensitive. I thought we were too emotional. So I don't know. These guys never seem to really make up their mind. It's always just either way you're, you suck. So you're either sensitive or you're not sensitive enough. <laughs> These types fan the flames of chronic wantonness that is so widespread today. <laughs> okay. And this is, this is cat's take. This is cat's take. One cannot help but think of how accurately this describes the current phenomenon of OnlyFans and other platforms in which women sell the images of their body to boost their own egos and vanity. Yet the simultaneous phenomenon of the same generation having far less sex than previous generations. Interesting how we're leaving out um, the entire customer base of OnlyFans here. Are these women uh, taking nude photos and videos in, in a vacuum where nobody is actually uh, paying for this and consuming this? You really think that women enjoy this? They might lie to themselves, sex workers. They might lie to themselves and 
believe the lies of feminism that third wave feminism that this is some kind of empowerment <laughs> that you know being a sex worker is how you you know stick it to the patriarchy i mean it, this isn't this is weird why would you leave out <laughs> the customers of only fans does julius evila have anything to say about porn addicted men who have erectile dysfunction and peyronie's disease where they're literally bending their dicks and they can't bend back because they've been jerking off so vigorously for like hours on end every day. Weird. I don't think he has a quote in there about the modern porn sick, limp dick, loser, bald man. I don't think he does. All right, she goes on. It really is autistic libido, a desire to be desired, but without any human connection or intimacy. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, autistic libido. Right, 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 right. This can also be applied to the phenomenon of Tinder and one-night stands. Interestingly, I recently read an article linking a reference for one-night stands with psychopathy. Psychopaths having a lack of empathy just as autistics do, though autistics do tend to still have a conscience. With one-night stands, again, there is the desire to be desired and even engage in the profane act of sex purely for physical pleasure? What? No, no. Now I don't believe in one night stands, especially for ladies. It's high risk, low reward, very low reward. Okay. You know how many women do not have orgasms, even like with their longtime sexual partners. Okay. We've got a serious problem. Um, so it's very low reward and high risk. You're most likely not going to be pleased by this man. He's not going to know how the hell to please you. You could also get pregnant, you can get an STD, you could end up freaking raped and murdered, you don't know this person. But the profane act of sex for purely physical pleasure, this is creating deviancy, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is swinging the pendulum to the other side, that if you're a married couple, and Janice Barcelo used to push this too, it would drive me insane. If you're a married couple and you have sex just for the enjoyment of it, to be with each other, um, and you're not actively trying to get pregnant, well, that is profane. Oh, that's disgusting. Gross. So I guess since Philosophy Cat has claimed she never wants to have children, I guess she and her husband don't have sex. Or are you, are you absolved from this, uh, you know, this standard because you're special? I don't know, but I find it hard to believe you would be in a, in a relationship without any sex, okay? But trying to make people feel guilty, <laughs> couples, not one night stands, but couples trying to make them feel guilty for enjoying having sex with each other. Thank, yep, that's Christianity. Thank you so much, Yahweh. The same concept can perhaps also be extrapolated to men and their preference for porn and masturbation. Can perhaps, it can perhaps be extrapolated, but you know, women, women are worse. So, you know, we'll just say maybe we could also say this about men. All right, she goes on more about daddy. When evil speaks of heroism, he is referring to a path to spiritual transcendence. He identifies motherhood as one of these pathways for women, but not fatherhood. Why is that? Aren't fathers just as important? What then does fatherhood offer a spiritual man? These people base all of their outlook on life off of Evola. It's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. It's a new religion. She is a priestess of Evola. 
This is gross. This needs to be purged. Not the people, but the ideas. Like, just, well, purged from the movement. I don't mean purged physically hurt, harmed. But, like, this toxicity needs to go. Get it back in the desert. We don't want it here. Well, we're going to find out why men uh, gain nothing spiritually from fatherhood. Okay. The main reason that this is not a pathway to transcendent (laughs) heroism for men is that the service to another is a lunar activity suited for women. The service to another. So we're, we're put here to serve others. Men aren't here to serve anybody. I mean, we serve each other as people in a functioning community. But, you know, women are like naturally designed to wait on us and to, you know, to serve us. In serving her son or husband, she reflects the light of their active masculine principle. But the father is the light. He is the solar symbol of the family. So yes, the woman is just there to orbit around. (laughs) Therefore, the paths to heroism for a man, warrior, or ascetic are aimed at the development and strengthening of this active solar masculine principle. Fatherhood is just as important as motherhood in a mundane sense. (laughs) Mundane. Children need both their parents. The family functions best with a father at the head of it. What does that even mean? Like, I always hear that, you know, the father should be the head of the household. What does that even mean? Both, both adults in the home, the mother and the father, should be making decisions together. Together. It doesn't make sense that, nope, the father is always right. He needs to consult no one. No, he's always right. A father is often his child is often his child's first experience of the solar principle and the first way the child is able to conceptualize God. Do you what what father in their right mind would want to want their child to view them as God? If you tell your child that God is like a father to everyone on earth, and he loves all his children and sings over them, your child will imagine God like a bigger version of you. Oh, that's healthy. Yeah. But if a father is not heroic and he is cruel, unkind, and impatient, this distorts the child's view of God with a capital G. If a man wants his child to love God, he must strive to be a good ambassador for God and represent him well. I love how they're packaging this as, like, not Christianity because she'll never come out and just say it, but she'll constantly talk about God and Evla, who's her other God. All right, she goes on. However, we must remember that not everyone is in a life that is karmically conducive to being a monk. For example, most people do have to live in this world and interact with it on a profane level. Oh, profane. So how does a father use his position in the family to support his spiritual growth so that he can be the illuminating light for his wife and children? He looks for opportunities to cultivate his virtues, and anyone who has children can tell you that children really give you a chance to practice some of those. Practice patience, compassion, unconditional love, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's move on. All right, I like this one. God speaks to those who are sincerely looking to hear him and will always speak in the way a person can understand according to their own nature. Wow, Yage is so freaking smart. This is why I reject the idea that there is only one right religion and only people part of the right religion can have a connection to God. If you're sincerely looking for that connection, God will find a way to make sure you get it and find a way to speak in which you can understand. Like through evil, I know I just added that. (laughs) 
She then goes on to try and play both sides, saying like, oh, well, maybe Christianity's right for you, or maybe it's not, but God, God, God. So I don't understand why she's marketing herself as like a folkish pagan with a dress and the uber folk and all of this when she's putting forth God, he, one God, one dude in the sky. Not like we have gods and goddesses and so many other things. Um, in our history. No, it's just God with a capital G, baby. And yes, that's Christianity with a capital C, too. I like this post about how she keeps losing subscribers. Um, and she says, hey, you know, not even Jesus Christ managed to please everybody. So if he couldn't do it, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> cool. Cool. Awesome. She claims that she's been initiated in the games of Aphrodite. I don't even know what the hell that means. I guess it's from Julius Evola's Eros and the Mysteries of Love, which has a ton of gay shit in there. Um, so I don't know what the initiation involves here, but um, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't sound too cool. But let's just remember that Evola justifies rape. Okay, so is it that far off or is it that confusing that she would go and try and cover it up it's just really disgusting and I was gonna get into this earlier but then I just started off on all the the quotes and everything but how did she get this way right now this woman was apparently brought up in this movement now that has got to be horrible I cannot imagine <laughs> Being a, she's an attractive woman and being an attractive teenage girl with blonde hair and blue eyes, like my God, these fucking creepers must have been all over her, like making her feel super uncomfortable, probably trying to, you know, have her sign a breeding contract with them or some shit. And I'm not even kidding. Dudes in this movement will try and get girls to sign breeding contracts with them. I mean, it's disgusting. I know April Gady's girls had to experience that as well. And, you know, these guys will be like, oh, fuck those sluts. They went back on all of their views. Like, yeah, of course they did, okay? Sorry they wanted to live a normal freaking life, as normal as possible. As you sit there, a nobody that nobody knows about, you've put nothing on the line, your reputation is nothing, but you're going to sit there and condemn these these young ladies because they want the press off of their backs. They want to be able to live a life without people saying, oh, you're that Nazi girl, right? I mean, ugh, can you tell I'm getting worked up? Because I just cannot imagine what it, what it must have been like growing up in this shit show of a movement as a young white girl. I honestly feel these women are probably traumatized. And I think I'm not, I'm not excusing what Philosophy Cat is doing. I don't even know her real name, so I'm just going to call her that. But I'm not excusing what she's doing, but I think it makes a lot of sense that she has been completely brainwashed. She has grown up with all these creepers around her saying, you know, you're a woman and we're logical men and we're the leaders and you're fucking terrible and all, you know, you can read a book or whatever and do your little show about Evola, but that's about it. So that makes a lot of sense to me, why she is the way that she is. She has grown up in this and it's really sad when you think about it this young beautiful woman like being brainwashed into believing all of these things that are she's actively working towards her own enslavement and I have to ask myself what these women really think you know like maybe they think that they're 
different or they'll get special treatment because they're saying the right things and doing the right things. But let me just tell you from experience, no matter what you do, if you try to be the good, you know, good little girl and do everything that these guys expect you to do, it's never going to be good enough. So don't even try. Don't even play the game. Don't even don't even speak to these freaking losers that are beneath you. Just don't even entertain their existence because they just constantly want to bring you down because they're threatened by you. They're threatened by your independence as a woman, that you don't need them. You don't. <laughs> we live in a world where you can support yourself as a woman, and they don't like that. These creepy dudes, the type that I'm talking about, low value, most of the time autistic, not always, but just strange, mentally deranged people. Yeah. So that's how I think she got this way. And let me just go on to drive the point home about what this woman is promoting through promoting Evola. This is so toxic. And this is working towards her own demise and her sisters, her, her white sisters, their own demise. You know, as well as all womankind, really, because we know these dudes listening to her are race mixers. Like, let's be real. They don't actually care about white women or the future for white children. They're just looking for an excuse for their sexual degeneracy to be able to marry a 12-year-old girl and claim that it's trad or whatever, and God wants it. So let's just, let's get into this a little bit more, because this is horrible. This should be called out. And this toxic Semitic garbage should be cleansed from our palates. <laughs> Gone. This should not be tolerated. There needs to be a line drawn in the sand for people that actually want to see a better world. <laughs> We need to draw that line in the sand. All the people that want to profit off of it or or not tell the whole truth or pussyfoot around and, and deflect blame away from the real enemy, they need to be on the other side of the line and we need to just put up a freaking barrier, put up a COVID-19 plexiglass barrier and get rid of it. Oh, yeah, Evola. He justifies rape. So Philosophy Cat is promoting someone that justifies rape. She's covering up sexual predators, millennial woes, Jason Cohen. I'm sure there are many others. Mark Collette, we know as well, has been rumored to have hung out with underage girls in a hotel room with some other guy. They allowed a known uh, pedophile to join their group. There's a lot of shady stuff with patriotic alternative as well. So, I mean, are we really surprised that Evola would be the god of these degenerate sexual predators and the women that cover up for them. I think I feel the the anger, which really is just hurt. I think I feel it deeper when it's a woman doing it because I feel like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> this benefits you in no way. Yes, it might temporarily, it might give you the shekels and everything, but you think, you know, you think if these guys have their way that in 10 years, you'll have a freaking YouTube channel and you'll have like, oh, my little Evila Telegram channel. Like, you really think you'll have rights? No, you won't. You won't. You will not have the right to have an opinion to anything. So, Evola. All right, let's talk about what he says. Um, the desire to possess the physically intact woman or the woman who resists. And the root of a specific element of sadism, which is linked to the act of defloration and also exists in almost every coitus. Um, so, basically, he's just saying all sex is rape and that's why it's pleasurable. Now, when we talk about deflowering, 
right? We know the pedo codes. We know Stephen Flowers, who Carolyn Emmerich ran cover for. So there's definitely like a, a thing with these women running cover for the predators in the movement. And I really think that these predators need a pretty face to be able to deflect the blame away. Oh, look at these beautiful blonde women. They're smiling. There's what? They're so innocent and pure. Why would they ever run cover for child rapists and for predators? No, never. But that's exactly what these predators need. They need good PR. And that's what these women are doing. They're running PR. They're running Hasbro for predators. It's sick. Now, with the deflowering, right? Recently, Jason Cohen, after these allegations came out, he put out a video about how to preserve your flowers, okay? Why he would make a little tutorial on this is beyond me. Well, it's not really, actually. I know why. I think he's giving a little wink-wink, nod-nod to, uh, you know, the deflowering that he's probably engaged in. And the, the thumbnail that he uses for this is a little girl with makeup on. She's got makeup on. A prepubescent young white girl with a flower crown on. And it says, how to preserve your flowers. Hmm. I guess I'm just reading into this too much, though, because, you know, gosh, just a conspiracy theorist over here. Now, the video was him showing how to preserve cut flowers, which are freaking stupid to begin with. They just die. But anyways, um, yeah, how to, like, make them last a little bit longer. But, mm, yeah, I'm not buying that. I think that's the cover. And he's just basically throwing it in your faces. Those of you that are thinking critically and can use your damn eyes. I mean, look at this dude. <laughs> Have we forgotten how to use our eyes, people? Look at his face, okay? I'm not just calling him ugly, okay? There are ugly people out there. They exist, right? But they're not all deviants like this dude. <laughs> look at his freaking Joker smile, his Jeffrey Epstein Joker smile. Just look at his face. All right, some more evilist stuff. And I'm sure Kyle and I have covered this before, but, you know, maybe there's some people listening that haven't heard any of this. So I just really want to make my point here about why this is toxic. Uh, let's see, where is this other quote here? Evila says, as a rule, nothing stirs a man more than feeling the woman utterly exhausted beneath his own hostile rapture. What? <laughs> Maybe you want your woman to be exhausted at the end after you've, like, satisfied her and gave her a wonderful time. But what? That just sounds like you've forced yourself on her and she's finally given up. And you get off on that because you've conquered the, uh, the beast. Yeah, you know, just family-friendly material that folkish slash Christian people are putting out. You know, it's cool. It's really great. Gosh, I wonder why uh, no women want anything to do with this. It's so weird. You know what the real um, the real kicker is? The, the women that will accept this treatment, it, it's like they continue the cycle. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. These guys talk about women being unstable, crazy, and then we get the unstable, low self-esteem, no boundaries women in with them. They obviously have bad experiences with each other because they're both emotionally unstable and mentally ill. So it just perpetuates this cycle. Then the man can say, oh, she's fucking crazy. She cheated on me or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's a cycle of 
uh, trauma and toxicity. And we don't need any more of that in our world. We just don't. And here at Renegade, we've always been focused on creating a future for children. You know, I don't want a future where this is taught as normal. And you might think I'm just focusing on the females, but this rhetoric hurts males just as much. It hurts boys and men just as much because Evla is also a pederast, okay? And all of this aristocracy elitism garbage is pederasty. This woman refers to herself as an elitist. You're an elitist? You're surrounding yourself with absolute scum. You're not an elitist. You're a pick-me. You are. And that's sad. What's even more sad is this woman, Philosophy Cat, she shares in these screenshots that she has been sexually harassed and abused by men in this movement in the past. And she uses that as some kind of excuse for why you shouldn't say anything about it. She's like, well, I've been through it. I know what it's like, but you know, whatever. So, okay, just because you've been through it and didn't do anything about it or didn't report it or, you know, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she had nowhere to turn, you know? I mean, if you're raised in this and your mother and father aren't protecting you from these types of people, um, that's sad. And maybe she really had nowhere to turn, you know? Maybe this is all she knows. And it's sad that she herself is a victim of sexual abuse and she then goes on to cover it up. But this is such a prime example of what's happening on a massive scale. You've got the trauma cycle. Well, it's happened to me, whatever. I don't want to deal with my trauma. So let's just sweep this under the rug. Let's move on. Let's keep making the shekels. Let's keep getting those YouTube views. Let's keep getting the, you know, the dopamine rush when someone likes my video. Um, and that, that's sad. So, you know, I wish that there was, there. well, there is a way out. I just think that she doesn't possibly know any better. Maybe she doesn't have control over her life. I don't know. I hate to imagine that she lacks agency, but I'm only thinking that because she's grown up in this, that maybe she's always had some dude or somebody by her being like, this is what you're going to do. Okay. You don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I sometimes like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it makes perfect sense to me why she is the way that she is, especially if she's been sexually uh, abused by men in this movement. You know, Evola will also go on with this, this line that I even repeated in the past that men are becoming feminized. No. <laughs> okay. A man can never be feminized. They can be made less of a man. But it's this whole idea that oh, men are becoming more like women and women are becoming more like men. No, we're just becoming the worst versions of our genders. Okay? <laughs> we're becoming the worst possible ideas of what our gender could represent, in my opinion. So Evola has also put forth the idea that a lot of these losers in this movement who can't even get an actual real-life girlfriend put forth that they should be entitled to a harem. Yes, yes, absolutely. Your local grocery store uh, shelf stalker deserves a harem of hot women who all love him and are beholden to him. And yeah, he just deserves that. He has absolutely nothing to offer. But um, yes, he deserves it. Evola recommends this, so it must be possible. 
Here's another quote. There is true greatness in her when she is capable of giving without asking for anything in return. He writes in revolt against the modern world. And finally, when the man is not perceived by her as a mere husband or lover, but as her Lord. <laughs> I'm just imagining if I was like, Kyle, you are my Lord and Savior. He'd be like, what the fuck? Have you like lost your damn mind? Are you having a psychotic break? <laughs> I wouldn't want any man to worship me as a goddess or something. I mean, like, yeah, I should be treated nicely, but I wouldn't want them to be like, you are my everything. I will do everything just for you. That would be horrible. That'd be weird. But yeah, women should view their husbands as lords. Evola was also a big fan of the practice of sati. Um, you know, these types really love their Hindu bullshit as well. They just love it. Um, so he was a big fan of this. It's basically when a widowed woman would just commit suicide, um, usually by throwing herself into the husband's active funeral pyre and just burning with him rather than, you know, live without him. That is so anti-nature. Like, that's just <laughs> so terrible. That is insane. And I really wonder if the woman, like, actually had a choice or if they were like, all right, sati time. They just push her in and, like, shove her in there and <laughs> don't try to help her. Because I just can't imagine any woman being like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just going to go jump in that fire right now. Or, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go get buried alive with my dead husband because, you know, I couldn't possibly... And, you know, if they did, that's really sad because that just shows you that literally it was death for them if their husband died. They have no autonomy. They have no purpose. They are just there to be a servant to their Lord and Savior, Husbando. It's really weird. Yeah, he also goes on about pure, pure feminine nature. Oh, yes, pure, pure, pure that women should only stick to the roles of mother and lover. That's, you know, that's all that we should be doing. We have nothing else to offer to the world. And if we abandon those two roles that we're given, um, we are nothing but a monkey. I like, I like that one. Nothing but a monkey. Mm, yeah, I'd rather be a monkey because they're free. You know, they can do what the hell they want. They're not relegated to just being a mother and staying in one spot. <laughs> They can swing around from tree to tree and do what they do. All right, I'll get to some more evil bullshit at the end. I'm going to go through an article or two, but I just want to read another post from Philosophy Cat. We're going to get some real woke wisdom here. It is a common modern phenomenon that women try to collect men to form little armies of beta orbiters one could speculate endlessly as to the myriad of social, cultural, biological, and historical reasons why women do this, a subject that we can save for another day. My focus here is to educate men on the tactics women use to try and collect them. The lack of uh, self-reflection here <laughs> is astounding. Uh, this is literally what you are doing. I, you know, the women that I know in my life and choose to even, like, interact with could not care less about men. Like, they, they have a husband and they have children and they're way too busy to collect beta orbiters. Maybe if you are concerned with social media and t posting on Telegram all the time and Twitter, maybe then you might collect beta orbiters, but um, 
I don't think women try to collect men. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are some out there that, uh, you know, have like multiple men at their beck and call. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it never happens the other way around, though. Men don't try and, you know, collect women or anything literally as trophies. Uh, real quick, there's this new uh, this new term that's being used in the dating world, like the online dating world, where men are putting on their profile that they're ethically non-monogamous. And I just thought that was really funny. Like, okay, you're putting new fancy terms to like, you're a whore, but okay, cool. At least they're trying to sound intellectual about it. All right, she goes on. If you're a man, odds are that a woman will try to turn you into an orbiter at some point. It does not matter if you are the lowliest of incels or a jacked Chad. So basically what we're, what she's framing here is that if a woman ever asks for your assistance or if you see a woman in need, gee, if you see a woman being sexually abused by a movement figurehead and she asks you to help her expose this predator or to do something about this to warn others, um, then you're just, she's just trying to create beta orbiters. Yeah, that's what that is. Interesting. The lower a man is on the rungs of social hierarchy, the easier he is to collect because he is usually happy for any attention from women. And this neediness makes him low-hanging fruit. Oh, the poor man. Oh, I feel so bad for him. He's being preyed on by these fucking predator women. They're just such predators. Okay. However, high value men are not immune to this and women will generally put in more effort to collect a high value man. Yeah, I think high value people will want to collect, uh, not collect, but will want to have other high value people in their lives. That's how it should be. And it's really uh, quite ironic that she's using this term high value men because I would say that not one of your followers is a high value man because a high value man doesn't want to enslave their romantic partner <laughs> doesn't want to believe that their daughters and wives and mothers and aunts and cousins that are women and girls are inherently flawed. <laughs> so I think you might need to be exposed to actual high value men because I don't think you've had them in your life, uh, which is sad because maybe she genuinely thinks all these evil weirdos are like high value men because of what they write on the internet, you know? <laughs> These people love to put on like a pure front on the internet. Like I'm such a, such a good person and I'm so healthy. And then behind the scenes, they're just absolute degenerates. All right, she says, as a woman, there are obvious advantages to having orbiters who are good looking, well-respected, feared in the community, wealthy, powerful, or any number of other status symbols. So are women not allowed to have friends? Like. If you have male, you know, associates or people that you work with, people that are in your corner supporting you, uh, maybe you're working on creative projects together, they're just orbiters. That's it. You can't have like, you know, what is the platonic? Is that the word I'm looking for? Platonic relationships with people of the opposite sex. Okay. I'm not saying it's normal for someone in a relationship to be, you know, friends with a bunch of dudes and like, I'm going to go sleep over at um, John's house tonight. Bye. That's weird. That's disrespectful to your partner. But okay. She goes on. Women are usually not interested in dating their orbiters, even the high value ones. I think women aren't interested in dating people they don't want to date. I don't think it's uh, that complicated, but okay. 
Um, where did I go? It's important for men to understand this because women get their hooks into men with the subtle, unspoken promise that maybe one day they will be next in line for her. Okay, I want to talk about this real quick because, of course, this is being blamed on women, but I have seen so many times that when dudes get friend-zoned, they get pissed. Why do you have to sleep with everybody that you're attracted to? It's not realistic. If someone is not sexually attracted to you and doesn't want to have sex with you, move on. Move on to someone that likes you. Kyle and I were talking about this the other night. I think we were watching like some pickup artist cringe thing. It was just so stupid. And both of us were like, why would you ever, if someone gave you the hint that they are not interested, why would you like continue to pursue that? And do you really think that women are never rejected by people that they're attracted to and want to be with? That's just, that's life, you know? People aren't, sometimes you're going to be attracted to somebody and they don't want anything to do with you. That's life. You know, you need to like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get on with life and better yourself and focus on people that like you. It's just this absolute sense of entitlement from these people that I found, I find so crazy. It's very delusional. Like they just feel entitled to the best of the best when they have nothing to offer. All right, she goes on. She's going to break it down for us. How do they do this? There are several tactics women use to recruit men into their beta armies. Hell, you know what? I would love a damn beta army. Why don't I have one? Am I not special enough? I, I would, can, can you imagine if I had a beta army? I'd be like, all right, go and listen to my Spotify songs. Play it six million times today. Um, go order some bots and like play my stuff. Get me to the top of the playlist. <laughs> be sweet. I don't know. What am I doing wrong? I should take lessons from her because she's, she's got it down. Okay. So, um, they all have in common the feature of getting you emotionally invested in her, not the same as being sexually attracted to her. She takes that as a given. No, the key is to get you emotionally attached in some way because she, then she owns you. <laughs> she's trying to put a leash on your heart. Men who lack emotional self-awareness are especially susceptible. I just love this whole image she's painting of like the absolute predation of women. The number one tactic women will use is to tell you about other men who have mistreated them. Hmm, weird given our Jason Cohen situation, huh? Whether it's a guy she is currently dating or guys she has dated in the past, she will tell you stories about how men don't treat her right. Of course, the, <laughs> this is me, of course these are all lies because, you know, no woman has ever been mistreated. And, you know, they would never share with their current partner the reasons why they left their other relationship and to try and seek some kind of, you know, comfort from who they believe is a better man now. Of course, of course you would do that. And men will do the same. They'll be like, gosh, my last girlfriend was freaking nuts, dude. She was crazy. And that's just what people do. They left that relationship for a reason. But, you know, anytime a woman tries to come to a man and ask for assistance about someone that's hurting them or someone that's endangering them, making them feel uncomfortable, they're just trying to recruit you to their beta army. So don't listen, guys. Wisen up. Okay. And ladies, according to Philosophy Cat, you also need to wisen up and just not not be around predators. Okay. You all should be able to uh, see from the moment you look at somebody that they're a predator and it's your fault if you get preyed on. Okay. Because you should have just, you know, been more wise. Okay. 
Um, guaranteed that at some point you will hear a story about rape or sexual abuse. That, that makes my stomach turn. She's basically being like, women who talk to you about them being raped in the past and everything, like, don't believe it. They're just trying to get you all emotionally involved. This is sick. Like, this woman has very poor mental faculties. <laughs> or she's just a mouthpiece. I don't know. She seems completely brainwashed. It's sad. She goes on. The primary goal here is not to make you jealous, but to make you feel protective, possessive of her. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, our men should not feel that way towards anyone. Any female, especially. No, no, no. Those are bad. Feelings bad. Feelings female. No feelings. <laughs> this part is great. She goes... If she can make you feel those feelings of protectiveness and possess possessiveness, she owns you. Bonus points for her if you express wanting to hurt the other guy for her. <laughs> uh, men, chivalry, it's actually gay. And um, women are owning you by you uh, caring about them and being protective of them, which is your freaking job in this world. I thought she she wanted to talk about the path of heroism, right? Isn't that evilest whole thing? The hero just journey for the man, the father, the lord, the son. <laughs> like, so how can a man be a hero? Is that by being a pederast and raping women? Or is that by protecting those that are weaker than you, which are women? Women are the weaker physically sex. That's just the way it is. Now, there are exceptions, of course. Like, I have been around some real puny little dudes, and I've kicked their asses on the mats, okay? So, obviously, there are exceptions. But most of the time, I'm going to be weaker and smaller, less powerful physically. So, that's the job of the man, the protector, the provider, to protect those that are weaker, which are women and children. So, you know, I guess for Evola, being a hero is... Engaging in some weird sex magic bullshit um, where you rape a woman and then, you know, go draw some degenerate paintings, go paint some degenerate paintings. But yeah, you can't be an actual hero, okay? Because that's just um, terrible. Oh, I love how she's talking about the male equivalent of a pick-me. <laughs> All right, she goes on. In telling you about other men, your mind will start turning on how you would treat her so much better if only she gave you a chance. Okay, do you think every man that a woman turns to for guidance about some dude that's hurting her or has hurt her is interested sexually or is interested in a relationship? Like, what what world do you live in where every interaction is about, like, sex, is about relationships? It's very uh, psychotic, pathological, pathologizing every human interaction as some kind of weird sexual thing. It's really Freudian and Jewish and toxic. Uh, yeah, so she goes on. You'll start comparing yourself to these other guys and trying to show her that you are better. Again, she owns you. It's the male equivalent of being a pick-me. Well, newsflash, in nature, men are the pick-me's. Now, that doesn't mean the uh, mentally ill version of a pick-me. It means that men are the ones that are doing the courting. They're the ones that are going, look at me, look at me, look at my pretty feathers look at my pretty colors i'm gonna do this little dance for you that's just nature all right i just got interrupted by a phone call so i'm gonna leave off 
with what I had highlighted. Hopefully it makes sense. All right, she goes on. In telling you about other men, your mind will start turning on how you would treat her so much better. Oh, we've already gone through this. Okay, it's the male equivalent of being a pick-me. Yes, we talked about how in nature men are the ones that should be uh, winning the woman over. The women should be the ones that pick. Okay, most women do this totally unconsciously, so don't get mad at women. I love how she excuses herself from that, too. Like, you know, other women. Um, don't get mad at them for just being women and doing what biology dictates is necessary for survival in the world. Get mad at yourself for not being smarter and learn to spot the signs in advance so that you don't end up in a beta army. <laughs> Do you really think fem women follow Philosophy Cat? Do you really think women listen to Evola all day? Really? No, this is a very specific low value male that likes this. It's natural and normal for men to want to protect women, but it should never be done because he has been emotionally manipulated and she is holding his heart hostage. Watch out for women who are too, who too eagerly play the damsel in distress. <laughs> cool. Like, this is life-changing information. Wow. This really helps our situation. It's not like there is a rape epidemic going around of white women being raped and, and hurt and murdered, but you know... Good thing she put out this PSA to not always help women when they're in distress because they might be trying to trap you and they're predators and watch out. You know how rare it is for women and, and people in general to report sexual abuse and, and rape? You know how, how miserable it is to have to go through all of that, to go through the courts and the lawyers and, and the, the criminal justice system is a, is a joke. It doesn't actually do anything to help and in many of these court cases, it's disgusting. I've watched them. The lawyers will, um, you know, try and paint the victim as a slut. You know, look at her. She was wearing this. She deserves it. It's sick. It's sick. You know, now I'm seeing a lot of stories of women being strangled to death during sex and the, the man claiming that it was an accident because, you know, they were doing strangulation play or BDSM and blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, don't get me started on BDSM. It's so gross. It's disgusting. I don't know why any woman would subject herself to that. Um, it's just disgusting. And I think a lot of men are attracted, a lot of low value men are attracted to it because they can't actually sexually please a woman. So they like need some kind of response or they just are sick, porn sick psychopaths that get off on abusing women. So yeah, uh, if you are someone who thinks you're, like, so enlightened because you engage in sex magic BDSM, like, just snap out of your delusions, okay? Yeah, I'll link, I'll link the show, I think it was Kyle and I, maybe it was just Kyle, maybe it was just, yeah, it was just Kyle, um, where we talk, where he talks about Evola, the, the reason why it's so toxic. Um, the picture he uses, he looks like a freaking Jew. Oh no, Kyle and I did do a show. Um, I'll link that as well. Um, cause yeah, I remember Kyle made the cover art for it and it was Evola's head in the coronavirus. It was, it was great with like his degenerate art in the background. But yeah, um, I was going to read an article, but it's way too freaking long. So I'm just going to comment on this sex magic video from Philosophy Cat uh, and let's just uh, dive right into the disturbing uh, mental illness on display. 
Now, I'm not calling this person like crazy. They need psychiatric drugs like all these freaking people do when they're ever confronted with their own misdeeds like Jason Cohen, you know, immediately resorting to you're psychotic. You need to be in a mental institution. But I think any woman advocating for a a man, a figure that advocates rape of women is uh, just not mentally there. It's not uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not healthy. So let's just call them mentally unhealthy. All right, so let's get into the video she did. Welcome back to my comfy couch. Main point door. Um, but I do remember the section I was going to read to you. So uh, this is from, I think it's chapter 16. Got my little PDF here, so it's a little bit hard to look it up. Um, starting off, so in summary, the meaning of all this, esoterically speaking, is that the woman, i.e. the vivifying force, the power, the transcendent knowledge, represents a danger only when she is yearned after. Uh, wait, what? So women represent a danger when they are yearned after? I'm pretty sure yearning after women is the way that the entire world has gone on for thousands, millions, however long um, of years. Because, you know, women are the ones that carry and birth babies. But, you know, okay, let's keep listening to this enlightened elitism. Only as such does she substantiate the Luciferian temptation and cause the wound in Amfortis's virility, which degrades and paralyzes him. <laughs> she is the woman who, in Kalki's myth, never marries anyone but the restoring hero, since all other men, as soon as they lust after her, are transformed from men into women, or in other words, like Amfortis, they lose their spiritual virility. Becoming a woman. Wow. Okay. When considered as a craving or as an uncontrolled desire, the heroic eros is a danger. In this context, chastity signifies control, limit, anti-titanic purity, overcoming of pride and immaterial unshakability, rather than a moralistic and sexophobic precept. There is a significant saying of Treverzent to, to Percival, there is only one thing that the grail and its secret virtues will never tolerate in you, countless desires. Uh, this is probably the most truthful thing she's ever said right here. I'm going to play this, and I wish she could self-reflect because uh, she's talking about exactly what she's doing with Evola. She is putting Evola on a pedestal. She has dedicated her entire existence to spreading the good word of degenerate, pederast, homosexual, most likely Jew, Julius Evola. So here it is. You know, don't don't put a, a man on a pedestal, or you, you know, you you run the risk of being made vulnerable and, and exploited by somebody who doesn't have your best interests at heart. Do we think Julius Evola has uh, her best interests at heart? Do we think that Jason Cohen has her or my best interests at heart? Do we really think millennial woes has our best interests at heart as white women <laughs> or as white men? No, absolutely not. So I just think that's uh, that's the most intelligent thing this woman has ever said in my opinion and i wish i hope one day when she snaps out of it she can look back and say oh my god i was talking about myself that's why i really can't stand when people put hitler on a pedestal like oh gosh he's a, he can do no wrong we need someone exactly like hitler he was the perfect i don't like giving him all of the credit i think the german people deserve the credit yeah obviously he was instrumental in it but it's not like this man did it all on his own. You know, he had a team of people and he had the German people 
once once the parasite is gone, health can be restored. I should probably move the mic towards me. Health can be restored very quickly. So it's this savior mentality. You know, there is no Hitler that's going to come along. Um, so, you know, I hope people realize that. But we shouldn't put any of these people on pedestals. No one's perfect. I'm not perfect. I am so freaking flawed. And I think we need to stop doing that because we idealize these people. And then as soon as we learn about their true flaws, people get completely demoralized. I mean, she is right about that. Now, is that an excuse for covering up abuse and degeneracy? Absolutely not. But that's why we need to stop doing that. I, I've done it myself, so I know from experience. All right, she's going to go on here a little bit. Oh, if it would play. Um, anyway, I wasn't done with this book, so why did I put it down? Um, so... One of the really interesting things that I like in particular about this section of this book was this discussion of these trees and the two, um, there's kind of like a dual narrative that runs with these. So he goes and he says, um, there is a double possibility. In one case, the tree is conceived as a temptation, which leads to ruin and damnation for anyone who succumbs to it. Is that like the, the apple? In the Garden of Eden? I don't know. In the other, it is conceived as an object of possible conquest, which, after dealing with the dragons or divine beings defending it, transforms the darer into a god and sometimes transfers the attributes of divinity or immortality from one race to another. Um, so, again, we have the same warning repeated here. When the tree is conceived of as temptation, it leads, it leads our hero to ruin. And what is that temptation, folks? Women. You better watch your back. There's a woman behind you. She's going to try and recruit you to her beta army. I'm trying to warn you. Get out now while you can. Quick. Quick, they're coming. They're coming. All right, now I think she gets into how men are like these amazing spiritual beings and women are just materialistic because we have babies, apparently. So... That makes us materialistic. Um, you know, we're more concerned with material matters here, you know, with our little silly, small little minds that we can't conceive the big picture, you know, the spiritual work. We're just here in the material. Well, I'm sorry, um, all of us are in the material world, okay? Unless you're just floating around in a sensory deprivation tank all day, um, man or woman, you're going to be interacting with the material world. I just love these like enlightened people that are just so, so spiritual. Okay, let's play this. According to secret traditions, man possesses the principle of an eminently virile force that once freed from matter is believed to manifest itself as a magical and commanding power. Such force is paralyzed by sexuality unless sexuality is given a particular orientation. The woman acts in a lethal way on this force when she awakens desire in the initiate, drawing him into a sexual intercourse aimed at procreation. And since the power of magical and supermaterial virility is that which allows one to cross over the river of death, one can rightly speak of a slow death which woman imparts. What? Thus we can see a new aspect of the symbolism of a man who paradoxically turns into a woman as soon as he desires a woman, and especially at the time when he... What? <laughs> Desiring a woman makes you a woman, okay? Did you know that? He engages in sexual intercourse. 
Beyond any moralism, whenever this happens to an initiate under the aegis of desire or abandonment, it amounts to a devitalization, to a wound or lesion of his magical virility. With due reservations, a similar view could also apply to a further subordinate interpretation of Amfortus's motif, who is wounded and weakened in a particular reference to the fact that such a poisoned wound is usually referred to the genitals. <laughs> Moreover, in the... Is this not the gayest thing you've ever heard? Trying to, it's like trying to masquerade as some highly intellectual elite, uh, you know, spiritual text. I mean, it's, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much more of this you need to hear to get my point. But what I see from this, this young lady is that a lot of her content is just reading the works of these other people, of these other men. Um, and then, you know, making a few little comments here and there, but she doesn't really seem to have any original thoughts of her own, uh, unless they are based off of the foundation of Evolian philosophy. And that is sad. I find that sad. Can you not find any writings of, you know, your fellow white sisters that can inform you or maybe talk about the goddesses and the gods? But, you know, she wouldn't do that because she's Christian. She's like low-key Christian, though. She doesn't want to alienate the folky people because they also, you know, follow her. So she's kind of riding the fence like Lana and Henrik do. Okay, I'll play a little bit more because here she's talking about how women are attached to the material world. And she she stops for a second and does, you know, I'm not a body language expert, but she does the thing where you look up into the corner of your eye like trying to think, wait, what? What's my, what am I supposed to say again? What is the Evolian good girl thing to say? Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Because women have babies. Yeah. That's it. By virtue of the fact that we're the ones that have the babies, uh, we're attached in a way that men are not. And so... I'm sorry. I would be offended as a man if this, you know, philosophy that's being pushed forward as pro-white, family-centered ideology um, is saying that, uh, you know... You're not, you're not like connected, um, to the, to the child spiritually because she's saying, you know, we're attached to the material in a way that men are not. Um, I mean, that doesn't really make sense. All right. She goes on. Attached in a way that men are not. And so there's this, uh, pulling him downward into, you know, that, uh, that sphere of female sexuality. So female sexuality is based in the material, but male sexuality is, I don't know, I guess it's like off in the freaking space. It's so, it's so enlightened, so much different. And, and female sexuality is pulling the man down. These women are just draining your spiritual virility. Oh gosh, don't have sex with a woman. That's, that's profane. She's going to, uh, you know, suck all the life out of you. She's a succubus. Instead, um, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this in any of my own videos or in interviews or anything. Um, if I haven't, well, I, I'll just kind of give an overview of it now um, for anybody who's not familiar with the concept. So... Sometimes we speak of the horizontal path versus the vertical path. So, you know, the horizontal path is your, your life within the bounds of, of matter and time. You know, you're born, you grow up, you get old, you die. Um, the vertical path is 
not bounded by time. It, it is the spiritual and transcendent path. And so, you know, you kind of exist at the intersection of both of these. You know, we could say something here about the symbolism of Jesus on the cross even. Man exists at the intersection of the horizontal and the vertical path. Um, naturally, I think man is more drawn toward the vertical path and naturally a woman is more drawn to the horizontal. Okay, let's remember what the horizontal path is. You're born, you live, you die. Okay, so that's what we're drawn to as women. Like, very simple-minded. But the man, the man is going up. He's on that upward path. So, I mean, yeah, I don't really feel like listening to any more of this. It's just really... It's her justifying this insane toxicity uh, for a bunch of people that will be like, yes, good job. You're making excuses for my inadequacies and my total lack of having any value. Good job. Here's some shekels. Here's a super chat. I'm going to get all my little beta orbiters (laughs) to subscribe. Yeah. I want to read some of this post by one of her beta orbiters. I'm just kind of joking. Um, But I guess they are by her definition beta orbiters, right? Um, So it's called, where did it go? Detached thoughts on women. All right. He starts off by saying, generally speaking, women are more politically forgivable, so to speak, because they are born with an instinct to preserve stability in their lives. Meaning women tend to prefer the status quo and will often take their worldview from an established authority accepting usually a few singular issues due to personal experience with them. Obviously, it is not universal to all women, but generally the case. Uh, Do you really think men are uh, not, like, following the herd? Are you kidding me? If men weren't following the herd, we wouldn't even be in this situation. It's because of that that we're in this situation. Everybody alive today is trying to go along with the status quo. I mean... Look at all those dudes wearing masks and getting vaccinated. Oh, no, they, they don't do that. No, it's just the stupid women. He goes on, of course men are susceptible to being influenced by authority just like women, but his susceptibility is not because he intends to adopt the worldview as a woman generally does, but rather it's by, cul- it's by curating his environment in such a way that he is made to conclude in certain ways that authority influences him. What? What the hell was that run-on sentence? That sentence was a paragraph... And it was just some mental gymnastics to try and say that, sure, men can be uh, taken advantage of, but in a different way, in like a better way. Women desire stability in their environment. I'm sorry. I would be insulted as a man. Like men don't want stability. Stability means like, you know, a freaking roof over your head. Things, you know, you're not like in the middle of a war. What man is like, I don't want stability. It's such a vague term, but just this whole thing that women want stability. I think most people want stability. Most people don't want to be unstable. And saying that men are inherently prone to instability, I mean, that's an insult. I would be pissed if I was a man. Says women will often experience anxiety when there's change, even if the change is good for them. (laughs) Yeah, this is just such a feminine thing. He also says, this is why women cling to abusive partners. Um, I think the reason that happens is because they're afraid for their lives and they're probably afraid that if they leave, they'll end up dead or they have no way out. Um, 
So yeah, I don't think it's because oxytocin is released, but okay. And you know, this whole idea of Stockholm syndrome, oh, they have Stockholm syndrome. Yes, it is a real thing, but it's taking the blame off of the predator being like, oh, well, you know, they have Stockholm syndrome. They have some kind of weird disorder. No, they're victims of trauma and there's a predator that is to blame for that. Let's not shine the light on the victim. Let's look at the predator. I guess the, the author of this, you know, got some uh, pushback from commenters. They were like, why are you saying women are better? Like, I don't know how they could have got that vibe from, what, from what's being written here. But I just think it's quite ironic that they're labeling this detached thoughts on women and then talking about how, you know, men aren't stable. <laughs> men men uh, tend towards instability and it's women that want stability. I just think that's kind of ironic. Like, are detached thoughts a good thing? I don't, why would you want to be detached? <clears throat> that means, like, you're, something's not connecting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. But I'm also not super enlightened. So I also wanted to touch on how Evola was a uh, sex magic practitioner, which, um, yeah, red flag. Um, anybody that calls them a sex magic practitioner, freaking red flag, because... Normal, healthy people in healthy relationships don't have to practice sex magic and tell the world about it. We just have sex and it's between our partners. And uh, we're not pretending to be like super enlightened because of it. Um, he goes on and on about tantra and tantric female sacrifice a lot. Um, here's a quote. The young woman who is first demonized and then raped is essentially the basic motif for the higher forms of tantric and varjarianic sexual magic. In dictators like uh, Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini, he saw the precursors of future Mahasidas who would one day conquer the world with their magic powers. So he's referring to Adolf Hitler as a dictator, which is uh, interesting, right? Yeah, there's a reason he was kicked out. There's a reason Hitler gave him the boot. <laughs> He recommends tantrism as the way for a Western elite. Ooh, is Tabitha gonna teach that class? She's gonna supply clit rings to everybody so they can, you know, like be tantric and stuff. I remember um, years ago, you know, being kind of in these different like Facebook groups for herbs and natural stuff. And there was this one lady who was like, all into Tantra and she was, you know, raising her vibrations with Tantra. Really all that it was, was like an excuse to have group sex with strangers. And they would all pretend like it was some kind of spiritual thing that they were like really, really better than everybody else. Cause they're having orgies on the beach or whatever with like spiritual music playing. Um, yeah, totally. That's what the elite, that is what the fake elite do but it's just hilarious that these people think they're some kind of like elite group <laughs> there's apparently a book i'm sure it's on her uh, bookshelf as well of all as well as all of the other evil devotees it's called the great work of the flesh sexual magic east and west paperback so it talks about evila austin osmond spare alistair crowley um, and all of the wonderful sex magic that they did, which we know with Crowley that involved raping and murdering boys, as well as trying to, like, impregnate someone anally. Wasn't that some something to do with that? I know Twyman used to talk about the homunculus or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't understand these pederast psychopaths. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. But, yeah, 
Um, we've got Julius Evola being mentioned in a book right next to Lester Crowley because they are very similar. The things that they put forth are very similar. So that's why I don't take lightly to this. Even if it has a pretty face and a nice uh, packaging on the outside, it's still toxic enslavement uh, mentality. And it's not good for anybody, especially women and girls. Okay, also what's discussed in her postings, her postings? I, I, does that even make sense? Whatever, her... Uh, posts on this whole love language thing which I'm just so sick of hearing because it's it reminds me of the Myers-Briggs personality test where everyone's like I'm an INFP I'm so cool and unique kind of like horoscopes you know people think they're really special like oh, it's such a Gemini thing to do when honestly I think it's a bunch of nonsense um but they talk about this love language thing you know is your love language acts of service or you know, uh, physical touch, you know, it's just ridiculous. There's no one love language that one person has. I think you should be doing all of those things, acts of service, physical touch. But anyways, she goes on because she's really good with relationship advice. So let's listen here. Let me give an example of how a mismatch in love languages can lead to misunderstandings. Let's say, say we have a husband whose primary love language is acts of service, followed by physical affection, and a wife whose primary love language is quality time, followed by words of affirmation. The husband worked all week to provide for the family and then spends his entire weekend tackling items on the honey-do list. He's sure his wife will be so happy that he's finally getting these chores done, and even though he's tired from the week, he can't wait to show her everything he's fixed for her over the weekend. Come Sunday evening, he's looking forward to sex because no matter how long they've been married, he still thinks his wife is the most beautiful person in the world, and he really loves that bonding experience with her. Meanwhile, the wife is brooding all weekend. She's thinking, he worked all week, and I barely saw him, and now he's spending the entire weekend out in the garage fiddling around with his stupid tools. Why... Why would the woman be thinking that if she asked him to do those things? Why would she? That just doesn't even make any sense. That because the woman nagged him to get some things done, she's now pissed because he's in the garage fixing stuff. She goes on in this weird narrative that she's invented in her head. He's barely said two words to me. She tries to go out to see him and engage him in conversation, asking questions about what he's doing and just lingering in the garage to keep him company. And he tells her he's trying to concentrate on what he's doing and asks to leave. When he wants to have sex later, she rejects him because she's heard it being neglected all weekend. <laughs> see, guys, no matter what you do, the woman is always going to find a way to be pissed off at you. And, oh, I love this. Deny. Deny sex. Um, No. Or, or withhold. I love that. They'll say, well, the woman is withholding sex from the man. Uh, sex is not something that you're entitled to, okay? Like, you're lucky as a person if you get to do that, but you're not entitled. Withholding something would be like withholding wages that I'm entitled to because I worked those hours. But this whole idea that it's like a woman's responsibility uh, and that sex is just owed to the husband or owed to any man in a relationship is just, it's ridiculous. All right, she goes on. 
And how dare he try to put the moves on her without <clears throat> even telling her that he loves her and that she's beautiful. Nah, he's obviously just a horn dog. She feels unloved and unwanted, lacking the emotional connection she tried to elicit earlier. And so she refuses sex, making him also feel unloved and unwanted, combined with the fact that instead of appreciating all his hard work, she dismissed it and got angry that he hadn't spent more time with her. <laughs> What is this situation that she's invented in her head? And why is the woman always the bad one? I, I just don't get it. All right, and to close it out, um, I just want to listen to her. Uh, have you listened to her victim blame uh, women who are raped? So let's take a listen. <laughs> it's a funny subject, clearly. To me, this is just a trauma response because she's uncomfortable it. with what so, happened to her. <laughs> this girl... um. There's a few of them, but the main one's this girl, Sarah E.H. Um, giving me this typical feminist take on, um, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't tell women that they have to take precautions to not get raped. Just teach men not to rape. And, um, you know, it's all on the attacker. It's not the victim's choices. Well... That's well, I'm going to sit here and victim blame. Let's listen. Let's listen. Yeah. Well, well, it is her fault. You know, really true, of course. You know, there's a difference between personal responsibility and blame. When a man chooses to rape a woman, yeah, that's on him. He made that choice. It's his fault that it happened. But, um, but that doesn't mean that there weren't things that the victim could have done to lower the chances of that happening. Is this what she tells herself? Because she is a victim. So is this what she tells herself? I don't know. I'll have to finish this later. You know, I don't care no matter how drunk. And this goes for men and women because we know uh, men are raped, usually by other men, okay? And boys are raped, uh, especially young teenage boys, the ones that get brought into the homosexual stuff. They're taken advantage of. They're drugged. So I don't care how drunk some girl or boy is. I don't care if they're butt naked, laying on your bed and like completely inebriated or fucked up on anything. That does not excuse what has happened to them. Now, obviously, we need to educate our sons and daughters about how to be as safe as possible. But you know what? Sometimes when people are just drinking for the first time, they might not know their limit. And we know that this drinking culture, especially in the United States and the UK, encourages getting blackout drunk. There's a lot of peer pressure involved. Um, so that, you know, that's a problem within itself that needs to be addressed. But you cannot blame the victim. This really hits me on a personal level because when I was in the program in Utah, the, you know, the troubled teen uh, prison for profit, they blamed all of us who ever had anything bad happen sexually, whether that be molestation, being taken advantage of by older people, rape. They always said, we have to take accountability. And this was a Mormon Christian centered thing. So it was always, you have to take accountability. You know, these were girls that were like 12 years old that were raped by family members that were held at gunpoint that had horrible traumatic things happen to them. Well, you shouldn't have been in that neighborhood. You shouldn't have ran away from home. Gee, I wonder why they were running away from home because they were being abused and no one helped them. And now you're sitting here blaming them. 
I just find it so crazy that this this woman who is a victim of sexual abuse is sitting here justifying why we need to blame the victims and that it's a feminist response. You know what? I'm gladly going to take that title as feminist because I want to ruthlessly protect younger girls. And I know what's out there. I've experienced it myself. I've been taken advantage of and abused by older people as a young girl. And I want to be able to teach other girls what the red flags are, how to avoid them, and how to make sure that this doesn't happen to you. But you know what? No matter how many precautions a girl or a woman takes in this current world, it doesn't even freaking matter. You want to blame her for walking down the wrong street when all of her streets have been invaded with hostile non-whites that hate her and want to rape her and murder her and and destroy her and all of her family. Oh, she shouldn't have she shouldn't have drank too much because, you know, women are never roofied. You know, now at the nightclubs in the UK, they've had to put a huge warning out to women to watch out for people injecting rufinol into their sorry, rohypnol into their bodies. Like this is just Oh, but women, see, women shouldn't be out partying. You know, it's their fault that they went out and they didn't cover their drink or they accepted a drink from a man who seemed like a nice guy, but then drugged her and raped her. So I just think this is so disgusting. And um, if this makes me a feminist, I will gladly wear that like a badge of honor. I will definitely. But honestly, I think what we're seeing here is she has been traumatized and this is her way of trying to like cover it up in her own mind to make it seem like, you know, no, I don't have to go and hold anybody accountable for what they did to me. Maybe she's blaming herself. Maybe she's like, oh, well, I shouldn't have, you know, I should have wisened up because that's what she said about the girls who were abused that, you know, it was my fault. And I find that really sad if she blames herself. I would like to know. If she only blames other women for not being wise enough or for drinking too much or passing out, um, going around the wrong people, or if she, you know, if she just blames others or is she included in that? And I just love the the flex of the stack of books in the back. These types of Evolian philosophy people, they love to like put a bunch of books behind them as if that makes their insane ramblings you know, somehow substantiated by uh, all these, you know, amazing thinkers and philosophers that I have behind me on my bookshelf. I think it's a it's a little subtle little flex. It's a it's a an elitist flex. All right, let's listen to the rest of this and then we're going to be done. All right. Sorry, I might have screwed up the recording, but on my new phone app thing, I can't go back and go over it. So I'll either edit it in post or whatever. So let's hear the rest of this really funny, hilarious, you know, oh, women, women uh, blaming rapists. <laughs> such a feminist. You're such a bitch sometimes. You're such a bitch sometimes. You know, I have to agree with you there. I think it's a pretty bitch move to victim blame your fellow sisters. Yeah. I mean, you called yourself a bitch. So like, you know, can't call me. Can't say I'm slandering you. You said it yourself. I shouldn't be, but I am, and I'm not going to deny it. So, Hey, you know what? I'm a bitch too, but I like to be a bitch for the right reasons. I like to be a bitch towards predators and those that want to destroy my loved ones. 
I'd suggest using that bitch energy towards um, protecting girls, women, children, your your race, uh, you know, the sons and daughters of our people. That would be cool. Bitch energy is great. You just got to channel it. Oh, <laughs> this girl, um, there's a few of them, but the main one's this girl, Sarah E.H., um, giving me this typical feminist take oh, sorry, on, we already um, heard this. I'm going to fast you forward. Know, okay, sorry. I think this is where we left off. And, you know, what does it always come down to with these feminists? It always comes down to women should be allowed to go out and get drunk and wear short skirts if they want to. Yes. You know what? They should. And now I don't recommend it personally in this day and age because you're going to get the wrong attention. Like I personally wouldn't want to wear like a super short skirt, but yes. Girls, uh, women, you know, of age that are of drinking age, they should be allowed to go out, dress sexy, and have fun, and feel beautiful, and wear high heels, and wear a cute little outfit that makes them look good. Because European people, we have not had this issue before. There's nude beaches, you know, nudity a long time ago in Europe when it had more class and was less degenerate. It wasn't seen as like this pornographic thing like we have in America. So yeah, you know what? I personally wouldn't do it, especially in Orlando, because it's like human trafficking area. But we should live in a society where women can do that. And what do you think these feminists that she's bitching about are trying to expose? That very fact that women can't do that. Women can't go out and just be carefree and have fun. And that's somehow the victim's fault? Okay, all right. Do without any consequences. I'm sorry, but if you are going to dress like a slut, advertise... I would like to know what dressing like a slut is, honestly. Because according to her, just wearing a short skirt is. Now, what's short? You know, like, obviously, I don't like the club attire of today where it really... It is what prostitutes used to wear in the past. But these types of people will say that you're slutty if you wear, like, shorts that aren't down to your knee. So let's just keep that in mind. But again, even if they are, it does not excuse what's happening. It makes it a, a not a very good choice, but it doesn't excuse. It does not excuse the abuse. It never will. Yourself is being sexually available. Go Wait, you're being sexually available by like dressing up cute? <laughs> okay. Because that's all women want. They don't want like friendship or an actual like relationship. No, no, no. So it's, I'm sexually available. Right. So it, they're asking for it. This is the old she was asking for it argument. To a club, do whatever disgusting, twerking, pornographic dance it is that you do while you get intoxicated to the point that, you know, it's apparent to any predator looking at you that you're easy prey. What do you expect? If you want to go out. So what's the solution then? What's the solution? Not that we need to, uh, you know, uplift the culture and, you know, we need to really look at why men are doing this, um, the pornography that they're exposed to. Uh, we need to also hold them accountable. No, no, no. It's all on the woman. Women need to wisen up. Women need to dress differently. They need to wear pagan Slavic costumes every day. Um, and then, then they'll just magically not be raped anymore. It's just a simple formula. Degenerate fun don't be surprised when you attract degenerate predator degenerate fun i'm sorry going to a nightclub 
having a fun night out, listening to some good music, going to a concert, having some drinks with your friends, I, I, that is not degenerate, okay? What the, f- do you guys want to live in like an Islamic society? Well, clearly you do because you're Evolians and Evola loved Islam. He loved harems. So look, if you want to do this, go ahead. Like go make your little commune. Please don't involve any children in it because they don't need to be put through the abuse. Like this woman clearly was because it doesn't result in anything good. But like leave the normal people alone. We shouldn't have to give up having fun. I don't care if anyone thinks it's degenerate to have some drinks and dance and and have a good night. I'm sorry. I don't think that's degenerate. Okay, obviously like snorting lines of cocaine on the frickin' toilet seat and all that shit. Like, no, that's not good. But having a couple drinks, a couple pints, a couple cocktails, dancing, staying up late, being silly and fun with your friends. Like, I look back on some of those memories and I'm so happy that I got to experience that. I had some of the best nights of my life. And not doing drugs either. Just being silly with my friends, up late till like four in the morning, watching the sun come up, going to a diner, getting pancakes. I mean, that's fun. Not anymore. Not anymore because I can't sleep in. I'm a mom. (laughs) But I mean, what's wrong with that? Why don't you want people to live their lives before they settle down? They want these women to just like graduate high school and then become a mother and that's it. That's her only purpose in life. And then they wonder why later on the, the girl winds up leaving the man or, or going out and, and trying to get those experiences that she never had. She tries to go out and try and relive that, that youthful, you know, that fun time in her life that she was, that was robbed from her. And I don't think it should be robbed from men either. I don't think we should be forcing men into marriage super early. But you know what? These types aren't actually arguing for that. They're arguing for old men marrying young girls. So anyways, let's finish this up. To you to victimize you. It's not rocket science. Um, But they always come back to, well, don't victim blame. Don't victim blame. Um, You know, I personally... I'm just going to do that. (laughs) Personally, I don't think women should wear short skirts or drink at all. Women shouldn't drink at all. Women should not drink. Men can. Men can drink as much as they want, but yeah, women shouldn't be allowed to drink. Why don't you move to like freaking Abu Dhabi or something? You'll have to cover yourself up. You won't be able to drink alcohol. You also won't be able to drive a car. Well, did they change that recently? I don't know. I think they're trying to do some PR, make themselves look like super feminist and stuff, but okay. I think uh, women getting drunk is, you know, I... I won't go so far as to say it's disgusting, but I just think it's really, um, it's not particularly a classy thing for a woman. To oh, do. But, but for a man, it's totally fine. Men, alcoholics out there, I'm just going to keep enabling you. Just keep sending your super chats and your donations. But women, oh my God, gross. Now, I don't, I don't think anybody should be getting freaking hammered. It's not good for your body. Especially when you get older, like, you can't bounce back from that anymore. When I was young, no problem. I could stay up the whole night and I'd be fine. But it's just not healthy, especially mentally and physically as well. So I don't condone that. But women shouldn't be allowed to drink alcohol. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Girl, move to Abu Dhabi. No one's holding you back from that. It's not, uh, especially not in public. You know, like, maybe if you're drinking at home. Not in public. Not in public. (laughs) 
does this woman, like, have a life? Does she ever go out to a restaurant and, like, be around normal people? And, ha- like, have a glass of wine? Or Well, clearly she doesn't. Or maybe she does, though, because she's different. She's special. But going out and getting drunk. Oh, sorry, sorry. I just can't hold back. This stuff just gets me going. She's like, you can drink around your husband at home, but, like, that's it. So women getting together and having a ladies' night and making cocktails and, you know, chatting and having fun. No, no, no. That's degenerate. That's, in fact, disgusting, according to Philosophy Cat. It's absolutely disgusting. Ugh, Gross in public to the point that you know you've obviously lost some of your mental faculties it just doesn't uh it just doesn't seem like something uh that a woman who respects herself would do and what about a man do men that respect themselves become so intoxicated that they piss their pants that they slur their words and stumble around everywhere it's like we never hear the other side ever um, aside from the fact that alcohol is poison and you shouldn't be poisoning your body, have some self-respect, guys. Um, that's just me. I've never had a drink in my life. I never will. The smell of it's disgusting. Can't even be around people who are drinking. Uh, she's, I'm an elitist. But, um, you know, she's, <laughs> she's like, you just need to teach men not to, not to rape. Why does it always have to be focused on changing women's behavior? I, well, agree, I agree with that evil feminist. First of all, there are a lot of things we could do to lower the rate of rape that doesn't involve changing women's behavior. I mean, we could just ban pubs. Are you fuck? Are you? I got to get my phone charger because my phone's about to die. But I'm not. I'm not done with this rant because this is ridiculous. She has this smug look on her face. She's like, well, you know. We have zero control over our economy, over our politics, over anything ever. Um, but we should ban pubs. Yeah, this is this is big brain stuff right here. This is elitist. You might not understand this because you're not elite like she is, but like this is this is high level shit. All right, picking up <laughs> where I left off. I had to stop the recording again. Um, but let's continue listening to this video. We could just ban the sale of alcohol. We could ban porn. That might take the idea out of a lot of men's heads. Um, yeah, rape has happened long before there was pornography. Obviously, it's not helping matters, and it, sh- you know, it should be outlawed. I do agree with her about that. But um, the way to prevent rape is not closing down bars and not letting people use alcohol. You think rape doesn't happen in Islamic countries where they don't have alcohol or bars? Yeah, sorry. For being such an elitist, that's not very logical. <laughs> it's not very logical at all. We could um, shut down immigration from the third world. Yeah, we definitely could, but um, there are still white men raping white women. <laughs> it's not like that never happens. Let's not pretend like all of all white people are just completely perfect. And if we just got rid of it's not immigration, it's an invasion. If we just, if we stop that invasion, then rape would just be stopped in its tracks. Again, it's not very logical. We could have segregation. I don't know, there's all kinds of things we could do. We could pass laws that allow, uh, allow women to carry weapons. There's a lot of places in the world where you, can, you can't even carry pepper spray. Leave. I agree with her there as well. You know, how does that help women? Ironically, it's the places that have like the strictest laws around self-defense that you have the most vocal feminists constantly going on and on about rape, which kind of um, 
kind of brings me to a point I, I made and I posted it on my Twitter page if anybody wants to go look at it. She, I said, why is it that it's only ever the most repulsive women who worry endlessly about being raped? Oh, what? What? Uh, what? Um, I would like to see you... I mean, since she's an elitist, she probably has a rich husband and lives in a nice, uh, you know, segregated area. But I would like to see you walk down even just my street. It's not even that bad here, but my street or anybody else's street, go to the hood and tell me that you're not worried about getting raped. I think what she's getting at here and we'll hear in a moment is that um, it's only ugly women that that uh, that, you know, pipe up about rape all the time. Um, admit, I don't know. I don't know. We'll hear the rest. We'll hear it from her, her own mouth. I never see a similar obsessive anxiety from women who are actually attractive and regularly get a lot of pervy male attention. Okay. But do you have, like, do you have female friends that aren't pick me's? I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Despite being at probably greater risk of actual assault. Um, when I, it, it's, <laughs> It's bizarre. I noticed this this tendency uh, became really pronounced during the early part of Trump's term when all the feminists were going out protesting with their pussy hats, dressing up like vaginas, carrying signs saying, don't grab my pussy. And you know why? You know why that's done? To make a mockery of real issues that women need to address. That's exactly why that is done. To make the harpy, feminist, crazy, bitch, unstable, to give everybody that idea in their minds when they think of a woman that is demanding equal treatment, equal treatment before the, before the law. That's why they want, <laughs> that's why they want to basically make this a new witch hunt. And they, of course, make them the most unappealing, unattractive, annoying women. So men will be like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal. It's just these crazy fat, you know, pink haired feminists again, bitching about nothing. Um, they are obsessed with their genitalia. What's up with that? I'll tell you what I think is up with that. I think that feminists are so far removed from the feminine that they have no way of conceiving of themselves as, wo as women outside of their biological parts. And I think in part due to their hatred of men, but, you know, also probably due to like some deep seated issues around being actually separated from the experience of true, of true femininity. I always hear this, this term femininity thrown around as if it's like this definitive, tangible thing that everybody knows exactly what it is. And when we all say the word, we're all like, oh yeah, yeah, totally have the same picture in my head. But this idea of femininity that I always hear about, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's not dynamic. It's one dimensional. You are submissive. You are nice and pretty and you smile and don't drink, don't swear. Now, obviously I am guilty of this. I don't like hearing swearing, but I do it all the time when I vent. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest there, but you're supposed to be this like pinnacle of just submissive beautiful little flower that, you know, d can't like get dirty and can't throw a punch and can't shoot a double egg takedown on somebody. You know, you just got to be really prim and proper. But femininity is not one dimensional. 
we are capable of so many different things. We are capable of being strong, of being, uh, you know, of being soft, of, of, of wanting help from a man, but also being able to do it ourselves too. Being able to change a tire, being able to fix something. There's nothing inherently uh, unfeminine about being able to survive in this world. You know, she was going on before about beware of damsels in distress, but it sounds like that's what you want women to be. Um, they become obsessed with, with identifying with their genitalia, and they become obsessed with the idea that they can control men through sexual power. They mistakenly tend to think that rape is about lust. They love the idea that they're just so desirable to a man that they can make him lose all control of himself. What? 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 Women love the idea of uh, men being men raping them um, to the point that he'll rape them. Uh, this is why rape is one of the number one fantasies of women. Oh my god! Where did you hear that philosophy, cat, on fucking Roosh's blog? Where did you hear that from the mind of a sexual deviant man? Women, uh, maybe you do because you have sexual trauma in your past that you're clearly trying to cover up and numb and not deal with uh no women don't fantasize being raped women fantasize being pleasured by a man that knows how to pleasure them and actually knows what a clitoris is and knows like like female anatomy just kind of like disgusting when you think about it but um it's because women fundamentally misunderstand what rape is all about which is power and humiliation oh yeah no i i had no idea it was about humiliation yeah, no, I, no, I had no idea. Jeez, thank you so much for enlightening me. Not lust. Um, and I think they really like the idea that they can control a man in that way. Uh, Wait, how are you controlling a man by being raped? This is severe... Ugh, God, I hate throwing around mental illness. But this is not stable thinking. It's just not. It's just not. At the same time, it allows them to feel feel something akin to femininity. You what, know what? What? I'm really trying to keep up with these mental gymnastics, but I'm honestly dizzy. So women think rape is just about lust, but it's also about control and humiliation. Okay. I'm pretty sure all these feminists that you're bitching about also think that rape is about humiliation and control. I don't think any woman or feminist has ever tried to deny that it's not about that, so I really don't understand that argument. She then says that they really like, these feminists really like the idea that they can control a man in that way, and then through that, they can feel feminine. So being raped equals feminine? Well, according to your lord and savior, Evola, it does mean exactly that. Um, and at the same time, it allows them to feel, feel something akin to femininity. You know, all of these, uh, because all of these feminists just end up being like LARPy men, like failed LARPy men. That's what they are. Like they're not anything, anything actually feminine. They reject the feminine. What is the feminine then? I would really like to hear these people explain to me what this femininity is that they speak of. You know it's just going to be submissive and defers to her husband and has kids. And they want to do, they want to do everything men can do and think they can do it better, and they can't. This whole thing, women are trying to do what men can do. Like, 
what like what what because women lift weights because women uh become electricians and plumbers and construction workers what is inherently masculine about driving a bulldozer i'm sorry it obviously it takes skill and learning but are, are you seriously saying that women are incapable of doing those things I mean, we've got men trying to do what women do, giving birth. Why don't we ever hear about that? Why don't we ever hear about all of these men who are literally trying to erase womankind, who are trying to tell us, we now, you're, you're old news, baby. It's us now, and we can have babies, and we can breastfeed. I see a whole lot of men trying to be women. Yeah, obviously there are women that become transgender. That's sad. It's very sad. There's some very severe trauma going on there. But where are all these women trying to do male things? I mean, these are the type of people that get pissed off that women have their own set of tools, that women don't need to rely on a man, that they can support themselves, that they can buy a house on their own, that they can uh, live a nice life, that they can buy themselves nice things. That's, that's a huge threat to these low-value dudes. Um, and they're just... Uh... This reminds me of something I saw in another Telegram channel called Fastrology, which is a, one of my favorite channels. It's just, it's like pop astrology and it's just really, it's really entertaining and funny. Um, and I remember seeing something on there about how uh, Capricorn women tend to hate men because they think that they're better men than actual men. Oh yeah, this and is And it just reminded flawless. me so much of like the feminist mentality. They hate men because they think they would be better men. And they never are. What? So the feminist saying that you need to teach men not to rape secretly wants to be a man. I don't think any woman, unless she's like trans delusional, wants to be a man. I think if you're a healthy woman, you realize that being a woman is amazing and you have a lot of power. And you should embrace that. But this whole idea of women want to act like men. Women want to have sex like men. Men shouldn't be having sex like, like they do anyways. I mean, not all. You know what I mean, though. When they, when they make that comparison, they're talking about men that just have one-night stands, casual sex. Um, but I'll tell you something. For all these dudes that pretend they like casual sex, no, 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 no. That's not true. They actually want each woman that they're having sex with to be completely obsessed with them and really want a relationship, they're not having sex with other women that want things to be casual as well. Because if a woman treats him casually, he's not going to be interested anymore. As people, we don't want to be treated casually. We want someone to want us. So whatever tangent there, we'll finish up here. Um, but yeah, anyway, this, uh, this idea that you know, other people need to be responsible for your safety. It's uh, no one's saying other people are responsible for our safety. We're saying pe people shouldn't rape. You know, I've heard enough. I think, I think we've gotten the point across here. So I'm going to end this recording. Hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, I just think we need to shed a light on this toxicity. It should have nothing to do with a healthy movement, with a healthy society. Um, with a family-centered, non-degenerate awakening. It just has no place here. And I wish there was more outspoken resistance to this Evolian garbage, and I hope more people start to expose it. All right, so I wanted to read a little bit more because I came across this book um, that talks about Evola's totally cool sex magic. Ooh! 
So it's going to be my first time reading through any of this. I'm sure we'll have lots to comment on. Um, sorry if you hear the rain. I have to keep this door open a little bit. And sorry if you hear a cat begging for treats, because that's what she does. She follows me around and begs for treats. Okay, so let's start with this chapter. The Absolute Sexual Individual, According to Julius Evola. The man we will now consider, not as a rival to Aleister Crowley, but as his equal in esoteric er erudition, was an Italian scholar, Julius Evola, born in 1898, first appeared as a poet and painter connected to futurism and dataism. We all know about these archaeo-futurists. It's just code word for sodomite, really, so now you know. His poem for Four Voices, Les Paroles Oscures, I'm not even going to try and say that, The Dark Word of the Inner Landscape, was published in 1920 under the auspices of the collection Data in Zurich. Shortly thereafter, he became a theoretician of magic idealism with three books, The Yoga of Power, some Italian stuff I'm not going to try to say, which translates to Theory of the Absolute Individual, and Pagan Imperialism. That, again, this guy loves to use, like, oxymorons. We had the the uh, depraved chastity, and now we have uh, pagan imperialists. Wouldn't being a pagan imply that you're anti-imperialist because you're not for, you know, religion, controlling everything? Maybe that would be anti-theocratic. I don't know, but um, it doesn't really make sense. Okay, but this imperial paganism book um, earned the admiration of René Gounon, who we've covered before, another homo of the New Right. As Evola described his work to Pierre Pascal, there are abrupt books that do not spare the reader, books that are barely Italian, for they are frozen fire. Ooh, are they red ice? Based. Evola was an advocate for the pure ego, the detached ego centered around itself. Maybe that's why the article I read from earlier in this show was, uh, was titled Detached Thoughts on Women, because, you know, you want your thoughts to be detached. That's very healthy. You know, you want to have dissociative thoughts detached from reality. But I'm sure I just don't understand the high, big brain, high level stuff that's going on here because I'm not elite, you know? Not elite like these other bugger boys. So, you know, how would I know? <laughs> I mentioned that he wears a monocle. I just think that's funny. I just picture like him like looking at a diamond with his little monocle, like <laughs> I mean, it's not just Jews that wear monocles, but I'm pretty sure this guy is a crypto. Like, look at his face and listen to his ideas. Even if he's not genetically, he's definitely taken on that identity through his views. During the years of 1927 to 1929, an order formed around Evola called the Ur Group, Ur being an archaic word for fire, the flamers. They published monthly monographs under this name that dealt with magic as a science of the ego. The collaborators remained anonymous, concealing their identities beneath symbolic pseudonyms. Ooh. The autobiographical and historical, I don't know how you say this, or or your texts were later collected into three volumes titled Introduction to Magic, which maintained the anonymity of the, con of the contrib- I can't talk, it's early in the morning, of the contributors. <laughs> Julius Evola next founded a bi-monthly review, La Torre, to defend his ideas opposing the tradition to Christianity and his notion of an organic state versus that of a totalitarian state. 
Oh yeah, he's so he's so oppositional to Christianity. His views are so different. So different. I guess his only um true opposition to Christianity is that of the sex magic practices, but his entire worldview is is completely Abrahamic. I mean, let's be real here. But he was forced to suspend the publication with the 10th issue because of the hostility of some fascist officials. He explained, The Deuce came to suspect that certain individuals were planning to exercise a magical influence upon him. Mussolini was not only an easily suggestible character, but also a rather superstitious one. For example, he was genuinely scared of Jinxes, whose very name he forbade to be uttered in his presence. Evil left to purify himself in the lofty mountains, climbing the northern face of the eastern like Sam, uh, how do you say that? Likes come in the Alps. Um, he became henceforth a dedicated mountain climber, a sport he called a discipline that encouraged elevation of the soul. Is that why all of these groups like <laughs> take their pictures at the top of mountains? I have nothing against that. I think it's fantastic when people are hiking and I've taken a group picture at the top of a mountain too. Okay. But it's just funny. I just think of all these like controlled opposition groups, you know, like the national justice party and <laughs> All these guys, like a bunch of Jews with flags up on the top of a mountain wearing skull masks. Like, <laughs> wow, they're really changing the world. <laughs> All right. He published several more books at the foremost defender of the hermetic tradition. So that's kind of what we were hearing Philosophy Cat talk about when she was talking about, you know, the horizontal journey of the woman. You just, you know, you're born and then dur, 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 go about your life and, blah, and then you die. Okay, that's the female journey. But the male journey, the man, the Lord, his journey is upwards. And it's females. It's, ooh, it's those foids that bring the man down. Now, quick tangent here. Kyle and I watched, uh, well, Kyle showed me this video last night because we were talking about all this. And this is actually the, the plot of the whole entire Star Wars franchise. The, the, um you know, the, the good guys, the, the force, the light, what are they freaking called again? The Jedis? Yeah. Those guys. Sorry. I'm not a star Wars nerd. The Jedis are teaching, um, that, you know, boys from, they're teaching boys of a young age to sever the connection between their mother and them because, you know, Luke is taken away from his mother and then they enslave her and they later kill her. And, you know, he's told to suppress his emotions. He, you know, don't grieve the loss of your mother. They're told to be emotionally numb. Um, and, and it's women, it's his relationship with Padawan or whatever her name is that, you know, brings him down. It's the female. There's also a scene that Kyle picked up on some body language. I don't know if it's on purpose, but, you know, uh, is it Anakin or Luke? I don't freaking know you guys. I'm sorry. But that guy <laughs> standing there and he's talking about, you know, how it's so dry in the desert and it's rough and it hurts his skin. And he's almost like covering his his backside with his hands. And, you know, she, the woman, walks in and he, I guess he mentions or we know as the as the viewer that she is from an aqueous environment. So I just think that's interesting. You have like the, the female aqueous force, and then he's saying, you know, I don't like it out here. It's dry like a desert. And so that just, to me, seems like a sodomy reference. And this, this, whole th this whole idea of the elite being, you know, severed from their mothers at an early age, literally being severed from the most sensitive part of their genitalia through genital mutilation at birth, you know, boys are conditioned through violence and physical pain to repress their emotional side. 
And that's really sad. And that's what they're doing um, through this kind of elitist thought, this Evolian nonsense. And that's what they have done, these aristocratic families throughout the years. They sodomize the boys boys at a young age. That's why they say sex before eight or it's too late because they have to completely transform the psyche of that boy. They take them away from the feminine side. And we're always hearing about the dark side, right? You're going to go to the dark side in Star Wars, at least, um, you know, don't go to the dark side. Well, it reminds me of the yin and yang and the dark side that the feminine force represents. And I think that the reason the feminine force represents the dark side is because of the mysteries of childbirth. Well, it used to be more of a mystery. Now we've got all this invasive technology that can poke and prod at your baby and blast them with high frequency sound waves to, you know, just take a look in there. But it used to be a mystery and it really is a mystery that is shrouded in darkness because we cannot see what's going on in there for those nine plus months until the baby is born. And so I just think that's that's very interesting. This is this is a socialization of of men of boys that is leading to it's leading to disastrous consequences. We are finding ourselves in a really bad situation right now because of this. Now, some people will say, "Oh, well you shouldn't baby your little boys." Absolutely not. But come on. I mean, why would you treat your 8-year-old girl, uh, your 8-year-old daughter or son that differently? You know, they're still children. So if if my son falls and scrapes and hurts his, you know, foot or something, yeah, I'm going to go over and make sure he's okay. If he needs to cry, I'm not going to be like, don't cry, you little baby. I'll be like, I know it hurts. Take some deep breaths. You know, you'll get through this. I know you're tough. I would say the same thing to a little girl. So I just, I think that they want us to believe that men and women, boys and girls, we are so different. Now, obviously, we're different, right? We have completely different, uh, you know, hormone levels and all of this, but really we're a lot more similar than they would like us to believe. And I think when we realize that and when we stop othering one another, we'll be in a lot better of a situation. And that's, I think, I think when a man has a good woman, it makes him very powerful. And that's what the powers that be don't want. It also makes a man less susceptible to enslavement and to being brainwashed because they have another woman there saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, holding him accountable. Now, this doesn't mean all women. You know, I'm talking about like a high-value woman. Um, But yeah, I think that's why they don't want us being together because we are so powerful when we're together. Not only can we create new life, but we can create new worlds together. And I, I think that if there is a government, it should not ban women from operating within it. I'm sorry. I, I just think that's retarded. I used to believe that. I used to think that, oh, you know, these there's so many high-value men out there that have my best interests at heart, and I should just let them do the work. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think that women should be able to be in positions of power. Absolutely. And you know what? I think there should be more <laughs> than, uh, you know, than everyone wants. Like, not just one token. I feel like if a woman is good for the job, let her do it. Not all women want to have families. Not all women feel fulfilled being mothers. So, like, why hold them back from helping out your people? Oh, but brace yourself. The Hitler quotes are coming in. Again, I don't care. I don't look at Hitler as some kind of god like these people do to Evola. I don't follow his every word, okay? Like I said earlier, give the credit to the German people. Doesn't mean I hate Hitler, think he's a shill, think he's a dictator, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't care if he said those things about women. It does not change my position. It does not prove me wrong. 
because I'm not a devout Hitler devotee. <laughs> so, all right, let's move on here. Wow, the rain is really picking up. I did close the door. It's probably going to get hot in here, but whatever. All right, he published several more books. Yes, The Hermetic uh, Tradition and The Doctrine of Awakening in Italy, but the war played havoc with his ongoing plans. In April 1945 in Vienna, Ivola was one of the victims of a Soviet bombing raid. His spinal cord was injured and led him to contemplate suicide. But then he saw the light, you guys. He was like, wait, I shouldn't commit suicide. I should just rape women and call it transcendental esotericism or whatever. <laughs> okay. He reacted energetically, however, and continued to pursue his work, giving priority to the exploration of the transcendent significance of sex. Ooh, like... Why are these people trying to mystify sex? Like, it's, okay. Oh my God, it's raining so hard. I can barely even like hear my own voice. All right, his book, The Metaphysics of Sex, was the first of its kind after the Second World War and the most important. It is not sexology. It is an examination of what goes beyond the physical in sex and sexual experiences. Taking metaphysics in the sense of superphysical, the invisible side of the human being, Evola begins rejecting every finalistic, biological, and psychological interpretation of Eros, refusing to reduce it to a reproduction instinct, a search for a specific pleasure, a hormone theory, or the like. It is the analysis of the phenomena of transcendency in profane love. What does that even mean? That he seeks an answer to the fundamental question, why are men and women attracted to each other? Gee, I don't know, gosh, we I think we need to whip some women and rape some virgins in order to get to the bottom of this, don't we, Evola? Gosh, I really wonder why women and men are attracted to each other. It's such a mystery. It's almost like we were designed to, to do so, but you know, I'm just not, I'm not on the level. Not on the level of these big brains. Through primitive myths, the gods and goddesses of pagan religions, he shows there is a metaphysical dyad, the absolute man and absolute woman, who exist as purely as heaven and earth, water and fire, and are reflected in humanity. The god and the goddess, the pure male and the pure female, are truly present in every man and woman. It is impossible to attain this ideal individually, however, since every human being is bisexual. Um, well, no, we're not. <laughs> okay. He might have been because he was a fag and a pederast. Let's not forget that he was, you know, buddy buddy with the manor bund guy who, you know, wanted to keep boys away from girls as well. Bunch of buggers. But yes, yeah, everyone is, every human is bisexual, according to Evola. There is something of a woman in every man and of a man in every woman. That doesn't make us bisexual. That just means that we are very similar, where we both have human bodies and organs and brains. I don't think that makes us bisexual. The picture we get of every normal man and woman is one of which the content of pure male or female varies. Evola studies the degrees of sexualization because not everyone contains the same proportion of this blend. There is an inner sex that is more demanding than the outer sex defined by the genital organs. We are man or woman inwardly before being so externally. Okay, whatever. So I guess a lot of these ideas that we're hearing here, um, he was in, these ideas come from Otto Weiniger's Sex and Character, which Evola translated into Italian, although the psychoanalyst committed suicide before developing his idea further. 
So, you know, that's usually a good sign that you want to take some advice from someone that is suicidal and killed themselves because that really displays a sound mind. <laughs> Furthermore, Weiniger was a Puritan misogynist and sexophobe and did not share Evola's expansive views. Oh, yeah, because Evola is totally not a misogynist. Okay, moving on. Looking at the excesses of feminism and group sexuality, he analyzes the dangers of an unrestricted sexual freedom by showing it would bring about an insidious domestication of man through sex and woman. <gasps> no! Resulting in the decay of any higher virile value in all authentic spirituality. In the name of sacred sexuality, he condemned the frivolity of the use some made of it. In a February 1970 interview with Playmen... What was that, like, Playboy's older brother? We must especially see if one is making love in order to make magic, or if one is making magic pseudo-magic in order to make love, or if magic is being used as a pretext to organize orgies and give them a certain exciting context. Okay. Evola, who came up with the liberating expression, truth is a powerful error, error is a weak truth, cannot be accused of being a dogmatic moralist. His opinion is therefore all the more valuable. Cool. This author is very unbiased. All right. That was pretty much all that they covered in this book. So, yeah, pretty lame. Glad I didn't pay for it. <laughs> but here's a nice quote from Daddy Evola. The substance of every true and stable political organism is something resembling an order, a manner bund, in charge of the principle of the imperium, comprising men who see loyalty as the basis of their honor. And, we, you know, let's remember about the Mannerbund, okay? So, yeah, you need to get away from the women. You need to be loyal to the Mannerbund. And then all will be well in the world. Oh, yeah, and Kyle actually reminded me that Jack Donovan, you know, the homosexual who brags about effing dudes with daddy issues and, you know, tapping that ass... Um, the one who speaks to young men about how to be masculine. Yeah, that one. Apparently his whole talk that he did at NPI was basically that whole, you know, man's journey is vertical. Female journey is they're just retarded. They're just there on the frickin' material level. And us men are like, we're shooting up to the stars as we kill the squirrels and sheep out in the woods with the gay boys in their fucking face paint. Remember, that's what he used to do, him and his manor boon. They would go out into the woods, drag an innocent sheep out there, slit the sheep's throat, like, bathe in its blood, and wear, like, runes and leather assless chaps. Okay, they weren't assless, but they, you know, they're dressed like freaking fags with leather. Like, gay biker boys. So that is how you, that is how you spiritually evolve, guys, okay? Don't, don't be with a woman. Don't have sex with a woman, Okay. Um, don't, don't be emotionally available, be callous and cold and autistic and join the manor bond and you're good to go. Uh, here's a little, uh, snippet from Aryan futurism. I don't know. Is this James O'Mara's blog? I can't remember. His was about like pitiless hordes of adolescent boys in rainbow thongs. I don't know if it's the same blog, but yeah, these are the homosexuals that are proponents of the manor bond. So here's a little snippet. The earliest Aryan myths from India to Ireland mention homosexual warrior bands. In the Indian Rig Veda, composed after the Aryan invasions, and the earliest of Hindu sacred texts, they are called Gandharvas, divine youths, and 
Maruts, storm gods, son of Rudra, the Ithophallic proto-Siva. Martis, although they adorned themselves like women, are essential in helping Indra to destroy the Soma demon, Virta, performing joyous deeds in the ecstasy of drinking Soma. <laughs> based. Based homosexual freaking, what are they called? Gangs? Homosexual warrior bands? So cool. Now, it also goes into these wolf cults, which I think is interesting. You have all of these people calling themselves wolf this and wolf that. Um, it's always a red flag for me. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, let's hear about the wolf cults. That Greece had its own man-wolf cults, witness Lycon, tyrant of Arcadia, whence the word lycanthropy is well documented, but the prehistorical classical legend relating most closely to the Manorbun is that of the Luperci. These were young men who gathered around Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, who had been brought up by a she-wolf on the banks of the Tiber. One of early Rome's most notorious legends concerns Romulus leading his Luperci to the abduction and subsequent rape of the Sabine women. The women were from a neighboring tribe. The rapes were planned not for fun, but for very, spe- but for very specifically to increase the numbers of the Roman tribe. Oh, yeah, that's noble. That's noble. That's like... You know, it's raping women for the greater good. Centuries later, during the height of the empire, the Lupercalia was still celebrated as a fertility festival by gangs of naked young men running through the streets of Rome brandishing whips. Now, we know that our buddy Evola is a proponent of whipping women to bring them into some kind of, like, spiritual state that, you know, transcends whatever. Um, It just reminds me of that picture that... Alexander Dugan had on his Facebook where it's some woman who is clearly being tortured. She's tied up. She has like these spikes coming out of her and like in her mouth. And there's some quote about how a woman like enjoys torture or something like that. So yeah, you know, let's embrace some more faggotry because this movement clearly does not have enough of it. No, no, no. Gosh, nope. Here we also see Robin Hood um, and his merry band of outlaw men living in the Greenwood Forest. Uh, they're saying that this is apparently another example of a traditional manor bund. Maybe that's why Carolyn Emmerich loves uh, Robin Hood so much. Um, as the leading authority on this people's hero states, one final characteristic of the early tales smacks of smacks of the household and of service. None of the outlaws has a family, much as a miller's son, but there is nothing of the miller. The treacherous pri- uh, prioress of Kirkley's, Robin's near of kin or cousin, is the only relative in the whole cycle. There are no parents, no wives, and no children. Apart from the prioress, women scarcely figure at all. There is no maid, Marianne. Marianne only made her way into the legends via the May games, and that not certainly until the 16th century. It was not simply that Robin's devotion to the Virgin Mother left no room for other women. It saw, rather, that there was no place for them in the context of the tales. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. It talks about the Wandervogel and Hans Blueher, Wil- Wilhelm Jensen. You know, Kyle has covered this before, so yeah, you could listen to that in another show. But yeah, I, th- I think I'm done here. I think I'm done covering the faggotry. So hope you enjoyed the show. I might put some other recordings in here as well. Maybe some music that I'm working on for you guys to hear. All right, take care. All right, if you've made it this far, congratulations. I have a bunch of other recordings that I want to put together eventually. But yeah. 
for now, I'm going to play you out with a work in progress that Kyle and I are working on. doesn't have any vocals yet. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. We were going to make a synthwave track. And then as per usual, it starts going off into some uncharted territory where I don't even know what this genre is anymore. <laughs> but it's got a lot of saxophone in it. It's pretty smooth and silky. So maybe you'll enjoy it. Got a lot of other songs in the works. Have an album coming out, well, an EP coming out in probably January. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned for more music. <laughs> 